Peace right, family, we join with another special guest. This time it's no other than Rico Crowder, aka you know Rico from Sons of Funk. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I definitely want to say I'm a big fan of Sons of Funk, and uh, you know, their music was definitely in my playlist on a lot of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of intimate occasions. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I wasn't gonna say that part, but um, definitely on a lot of occasions. <laughs> so, um, you know, with that being said, I want to say peace and you know, respect for all the work that you've done and still continuing to do. You. you know, um, yeah. myself. From what I see from the outside, I don't just see you as an artist. I see you as um, a producer overall, you know, um, somebody who's out there producing, you know, from labels, yeah. from, you know, producing other artists, developing artists and stuff. Um, obviously, a lot of people know you from your affiliation with No Limit in the Tank and stuff like that. And uh, recently you've been on tour with the you yeah. know, reunion and stuff like that. Um, so we want to get into this, your story, like where did, um, cause even for myself as an individual, you know, you can read a little bits on the internet, but I want to know where you sort of started out from. Um, and then we'll get how you linked in with no limit and stuff. All right. Well, it started out, man. Um, I started well singing when I was eight, my dad got me in the, in a group and everything. So, uh, you know, with him being a father and everything, he had to go to work and all that stuff. So he couldn't really pursue it the way, he wanted to, but it stayed in me. And so um, by the time I got to the age of um, 13, I got my first record deal with Motown Records. The very first song I ever recorded, this is why I knew this was, uh, this was meant for me. The very first song I ever recorded, uh, uh, I got a record deal. And it was on a Friday night, I recorded the song. Me and my homeboy, Sam Bostic, a lot of people know him from producing E-40, Tupac, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, it was mob music in the Bay Area, but he and I started out together and we started, our, uh, we started singing and we recorded this song in Berkeley, California. And the next morning I woke up, it was this guy playing this uh, guitar in the park across the street from my house. So I went over there and I was like, yo man, I play. He was like, you, you really play? You're like a young dude. I was like, yes, yeah. so I'm playing for him and stuff, you know, and I'm honking the guitar. Whatever. He was like, damn, you really tight for a little young dude. I said, thank you. I said, you want to hear one of my songs? He was like, yeah, I want to hear one of your songs. And so um, so I said, all right. So I popped in a cassette. You know, back then we had cassettes, right? For yeah. those who don't know, it was a little black thing. They had a little tape in it. So he popped it in. And he was like, man, no, this is not you. I was like, yeah, man, that's, that's me. He said, I'll tell you what. Go home. I'm gonna have Anna Gay Gordy, which is Barry Gordy's sister, Marvin Gaye's wife, call you and hook you guys up with Motown. I was like, Are you are you serious? He was like, Yeah. So I went home. Like 15 minutes later, my phone rang. It was Anna Gay Gordy, and she was like, I understand you guys got some really good music, you know, and it's really good for you guys' age. Uh, I hear. So I want you guys to come to Los Angeles. And let's get you guys to do it with uh, Motown. The next Saturday, I was in Motown Records with Anna Gay Gordy. And as I'm sitting there, right, we, we're at our house, at our mansion on, on Outpost Drive, right? And as I'm sitting there, uh, just just guy, this tall guy, it was a sunken living room. And he started walking up. And next thing I'm looking up at him going, oh, my God, you know who you are? And he started laughing. And it was Marvin Gaye. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was Marvin Gaye. So I, I got a chance to yeah, and he was like, oh, man, I love you guys' music. You guys are really hot. But some young guys, you guys are really polished. I said, yeah, it's because we uh, 
we patted ourselves a lot after after the Jacksons. So we we copied them so much that we really started sounding like them, you know. And uh, it was in between the Jacksons and kind of Prince, you know, it was, it was that Prince era. So it was a mix between Prince and Michael Jackson, you know, that Jackson sound, which was, it gave us a hybrid, I guess, or whatever that was. And uh, so I said, well, look, Marvin, you know, I, I really like me, you know, everything, you know, and all you did, you know. But I got to meet Mike, man. I, I, I love, love Michael Jackson. Like, these are my ultimate favorite, you know, uh, next to Prince, right? And so uh, he was like, well, man, yeah, since you um, – you guys are with Motown now. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna get a chance to meet Michael. But man, through the whole time I was there, you know, I had, I had got a song. Remember, the, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Last Dragon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee, right? Um... I had a song in, in the movie. It did well, you know. I still never got a chance to meet Mike. So, lo and behold, you know, I learned a lot from him. I learned uh, music, uh, how to write better songs, how to how to structure uh, songs. I was really good at it, but they showed me a couple of tricks that made it easier for myself. Matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you, taught me, it was uh, Elder Barge taught me a little trick on how to write it. Yeah, man, we was uh, sitting there on, on uh, it was a studio called Sunrise and Sunset right there on, um, on, uh, on La Brea. And Elder Barge, he was like, look, man, all you gotta do is use your, your bridge that you use in the first verse, put it in the second verse. I was like, oh, that's a that's a nice trick. And he said, yeah, you only gotta sing a, like a couple of new words and use whatever you had before. <laughs> and I mean, I've been doing it ever since. It's been helping me out. You know, as a matter of fact, Pete picked up on what I was doing and he you know, started doing it. Yeah. You know what? That's that's crazy, man. And um, you know, first off, you know, I was gonna ask um what what year it was that you signed with Motown or you was with him because. You know, when we think of Motown, there were so many different incarnations. But when you said Marvin, yeah. that was still there, I'm like, yeah. wow, because I was thinking, you know, who was you around? What sort of artists and stuff did you get to meet? Because, um, yeah. you know, Marvin Gaye actually probably my favorite, you know, of all time. Wow. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed, man. He's really, really nice. And what you see, how pleasant and, like, really smooth. Of He's course. really like that. It's his personality. Real smooth, really uh, compassionate guy, you know. And uh, everybody over at Motown was very nice, and they showed me so much on how to, you know, conduct myself. They, they were really still back into the uh, artist development, you know, and so they developed me more and more. However, I didn't get a lot of money when I was in Motown. I got the money when I got with the tank. You heard me? We're going to get to that because you kind right. of um, – you you laid down a bit of foundation for it, so now we're coming to understand you started out then in California. Are you from uh, in California? Yep, in California. Are you from Richmond or which part? Yeah, California? Richmond, Richmond, California. I went to Kennedy uh, Kennedy High School, where it was a lot of great entertainers that you guys know now that went there. Like, um, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Glenn Plummer, who played um, what was it? He played in. Uh, uh, I forget the name. It was like a bunch of them. Uh, those 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 gangster movies back in the day. I forget what what, what his name was. If I say his name, you'll definitely know. He was big yeah, yeah. time. Then I had another good buddy named uh, Willie White. But in Hollywood, he changed his name to Salim Akil. Me and him were really tight, and he produced uh, the girlfriend in the game. Um, you know, it was, it was a whole stellar amount of people. Um, 
uh, they went to Kennedy High School. I went to there now, super successful, you know. Oh, wow, yeah. I've I just seen Glenn Plummer, man. Um, yeah, I know that, Reverend Brad. <laughs> he, he was in. Um, what name would they call him in, in the movies? That was that was uh, the prison the prison movie. Um, he was he been in a bunch, but yeah, I think right, a bunch of movies. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. The right there, um, you know, yeah, that's a classic. Um, yeah. Oh well, so you know. Yeah, that yeah. was South, South Central. Was um, South Central, right? Right. Was he played that's, that? That's what really blew him up. Yeah, Bobby. Just, Bobby. Bobby. Uh, OG Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson. Yep. Yeah, OG Bobby Johnson. But where he got his first movie was with was with Madonna. Okay. He did it with, you know, we was all proud of him and everything, and and then so um, so you know, a lot of people, you know, and then of course uh, when Tupac came to um to the Bay Area. He and my oldest brother was like best friends. They, uh, my brother was living in Marin at the time, and uh, he was to live pop. You hear a lot of our music, and um, so I got a chance, you know, to talk to him a, a few times. A couple, you know, he was a real cool guy. So, and like I say, E40, the Tony, Tony, Tony. We are real super tight. They used to be like our backup band and everything. Oh, wow. So we all knew each other. Yeah, we all know each other. Raphael Sadiq and that he was in Tony Tony and stuff. Right? Was just like this, I remember one time, man. He and I, we had the same manager, right? This guy named John Green and Carlos Stanfield. Uh, we was in LA and we was both broke. I think I had like five dollars on me, and we was at this hotel Holiday Inn by the airport. And I was like, look, look, Ray. Oh, I call him Ray. Y'all call him Raphael. <laughs> I said, Ray, look, I got five dollars. I'm gonna go buy some hot dogs, some chips, and we gonna share this together. It's all right, cool, man. I'm starving. So we ate and we was talking about being successful, you know. So he he uh, turned out to be super successful, and so did I, you know. So it was really good. Good situation. No. Props do, man. And that, you know, that's crazy because you never know, especially sometimes we see one person's success story, but we, right. we don't know how many different people they they sort of intertwined right. with along the way. And entangled with. Right. Yes, indeed, um, man. And so then this would happen. So we went through a series of uh, different record record deals. We went with like MCA, Gasoline Alley. We was over there with Shy. Uh, the guys that sing If I Fall in Love, Where Forever, whatever that little song was they had back. And then uh, we did a deal with Columbia when the Fujis was there. You know, they were really cool. And But we still couldn't get it grasped, you know. Finally, I was at my homeboy's barbershop called Mark's Barbershop in Richmond, my homeboy Alamo, Rodney Brown. And he had this picture on his mantle. And it was these tall dudes with these gold teeth. And I'm like, man, when, when the basketball players start putting gold teeth in their mouth, right? So, and he said, no, man, that's Master P and, and his brothers, and, and, you know, they rap. I was like, oh, okay. So I swear, about five minutes later, P walks in, and he always had a whole crew with him. He had Silk Sea Murder. He had Mr. Servon. He had Moby Dick. He had Big Ed, Big Ed, rest in peace. Now, Big Ed and I grew up together. He was from Richmond, and he lived around the corner from me. But he had already met P because they all played basketball. So they came in, and... um. And P was P could really be a, a, a comedian. He's hella funny, man. The dude is hilarious. He was teasing all the barbers, talking about uh them ain't barbers license, them fishing license. Y'all know y'all ain't supposed to be cutting people hair. He's <laughs> a trip. So um he got real serious, right? So he sat next to me, say, hey, man, don't you sing? I was like, Yeah, man, you rap, right? He, he said, Yeah. He said, I saw you the other day in Sacramento at the back Black Family Day. 
and y'all was tearing it up, man. The girls was going crazy. I was like, right on, blood. He said, listen, if ever I make it, I'll help you. And if ever you make it, will you help me? I was like, yeah. Look, father, I was broken in glass on the concrete. You hear me? And uh, so I was like, I had nothing to lose. So P started balling, right? He started selling records out of his record store. He started recording. He started selling his records, you know what I mean? And he started doing really wonderful. Next thing you know, everybody in the Bay Area heard about P getting this record deal with Priority Records. He got about $250,000, right? So we was like, all right, that's cool. You know, he, he made it, right? So we were still trying to get a deal. And um, I had came up with the song Pushing Aside You, right? I was so broke. I said, you ain't gonna believe this, but I said, God, please put a song in my hand. Millions of people love. And the next thing you know, I started playing, show feels that good to me when I'm pushing. I was like, oh, my nephew was in the other room. He's like, oh, what the hell is that? I was like, I just got this song, man. He's like, man, record that. So I recorded it. I called my, my, my boy Dez in my group. He said, Reed, please come over my house. We got to record that song. So we recorded it. And uh, so fast forward about a year and a half later, we go to uh, Los Angeles. I see P at uh, Priority Records. She walked in the door. He had like this orange glow over the top of him. I was like, oh, okay, we at least find, I know somebody who got a deal who can help me, right? So I was like, he's like, Rick, you still singing? I was like, yeah, you still rapping, right? He was like, yeah, well, I'm doing a little something. Little did I know, Fonz, the man was a multi, multi-millionaire. He was like the Michael Jackson of rap of the South in the Midwest, right? And he was encroaching in on the West Coast and East Coast. And um, and so he was like doing really well, but we didn't know. We just knew he had got this record deal. So next thing you know, he said, man, come on, man, come with me upstairs. Let me hear it. He said, knowing you, I know this is going to be hot. I put on Pushing Aside You, man. Two seconds later, P was signing us a record deal. He gave us all $100,000 a piece, $100,000 a piece, and we never looked back. I'll and be- we was on popping. That that's 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 such a dope um, introduction. Um, I was gonna ask you as well because well you sort of answered the question that who produced that record. So you had composed it and written it all before prior to yeah. uh, meeting P, which is actually yeah yeah because- man. So I had already had it right, and I played it, and he was just like, oh my. He said, Reed, that's dope. He said, man, I'm gonna put this on the soundtrack about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make y'all. I was like, bro, can you make us bigger than Jodeci? <laughs> he was like, yeah, I got no more money than Jodeci. I, I think I do. And but look, like I said, we didn't know. So we call, I called my cousin in Texas. I said, Tracy, bro, like we about to sign with um with No Limit. He was like, bro, do you know you didn't hear Lotto? Master P is the man out here. Like he ain't nobody bigger than. I was like, what? He was like, man, you better hurry up. Next thing you know, man, P. We, uh, so so when we went home, right? We went home, and he said, "Y'all go home and take that raggedy red truck back." I know that's y'all, cause ain't nobody at LA got a truck as raggedy as he was ours. And he knew it. And he said, "Here go." He gave us about like like two thousand dollars out of his pocket. He said, "Y'all go buy some new clothes too. Y'all looking shabby. Y'all about to be with me." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so we were shopping and everything. So we get home. Uh, he flies to Baton Rouge. So we get here to Baton Rouge, man, and he opens up this safe. And I swear, man, it was looked like it was a vault, a bank vault. It was stacks and stacks of hundreds and hundred dollars. I was like, bruh, what the hell? Did you, did you get a lick? He was like, no, man, I'm just selling a few records. 
He gave us all $100,000 a piece, man. I had never seen that much money in my life. Cash money. Lord. Yep. Cash dollars, right? Then we hops on a plane and we go to um, Houston. And the word got out, Master P was in Houston, was at the Galleria. People started swarming. Fonz, then they closed down the whole mall for us because it was thousands of people trying to get in. It was beating on the door. I was like, bruh, who are you? Are you the second coming of crisis? Like, what, what, what's going on? Like, you know, I didn't know. He started laughing. He's like, oh, man, I've been selling a few records. I'm like, yeah, to say the least, right? So little by little, I'm starting to understand that P was huge, huge, huge. Because we was like the biggest record, biggest black record company that ever existed in the United States. Matter of fact, you can put us up. Yeah, you can pull this up in Guinness Book of World Records for selling the most records ever. There was like us, and then it was Puffy. Yeah. But we were completely black-owned, you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, that's why a lot of us um definitely um gravitated towards when it comes to the tank. Now, right. let's, let's, let's go slightly back a bit because, um you know, you talk about, you know, we just touched on how infectious, like, the um I guess the aura or the personality or the um the person or the character Master P grew to be as an individual. Oh man. But you growing up in Richmond early on, you you say you um grew up with Big Ed a little bit. I wanna get into that, you know, if you could share a few stories okay. and how you met some of the other guys. Um was it like Dez and Zoe for um Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and All not, right. not only that, I was gonna ask you as well, did you come across P before in Richmond or did you hear about him sort of before or just not until that time you met him? Not, not, I didn't know who he was. I never had met him or whatever, you know. Um, uh, so let's start with a big end. Now, big end and I grew up together. Big end played basketball, you know, he was a weightlifter or whatever. And he was very nice, humble, humble guy. Just easy. One of the, one of the guys that's in the neighborhood, you know, that you just hung out with. If you played basketball, big end was going to be there. You know, he was going to school you and laugh at you. You go home, whatever, whatever, you know. And I know he was trying to do a little rapping thing on the side, but he was mainly in the basketball, you know, so kind of like P was, right? Okay. And then, um, and then like Dez and I are really cousins. We not like even like buddy, we like really uh, cousins. And um, and so what happened? Dez and Zoe started Sons of Funk before I was in Sons of Funk, but they didn't have a name though. They was just producing beats. And so one day, uh, it was a spring day, right? And I was uh, in Oakland by the lake. This is where everybody hung out. Like you could see Tupac over there, E-40 over there. You could see everybody in Vogue over there. We all hung out at the lake, uh, 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 Lake Merritt in Oakland on Sundays, right? Everybody be over there. It's just a bunch of fun, you know? So then I seen, I seen Dez, he was like, cuz, he said, man, I'm producing that. I was like, whatever, boy, what would you produce it? He was like, man, come over to my house right now. I'm gonna let you hear some of the music. So I was like, all right, cool. So I go over to his house, and man, I swear, Franz, he put the music on, and it was all the sounds you hear on the radio. I swore Teddy Riley was in that room with us, right? Because it was around that, that New Jack era time, right? Okay. And um, it was, yeah, it was, the, it was the drum sounds, it was the keyboard sounds. And I was like, cuz, you really did this? He was like, yeah. So it's really a song out there that we got. I'm going to send it to you. It's called If Your Body Say Yes, It's Better Than Pushing Inside You. Really? That, like, that, that's, a, that's, a huge, that's a huge statement to make because pushing inside okay. <laughs> It really is, man. It was a, it's, a really, it's a song out there that I wrote. It's better than pushing, right? So um, 
So I said, give me that, give me that beat, man. When I come back tomorrow, I'm gonna have a hit record for you. He was like, for real, cuz I was like, yeah, man, that, that that music is dope. So I went home and I wrote to it, right? And I came back the next day and I sing, I sang the hook for him in the in the lead verses. He was like, damn, that's what we need. Oh my God, cuz will you be with us? I was like, okay. So at this time, Zoe was there, right? Zoe was just 15 at the time, right? He was a little dude, but he could—he was a virtuoso on the keyboards, right? He could play, play, play. He was a PK, right? So he was playing, grew up in the church playing. And so uh, he was extremely good. And then that's how Sons of Funk started. Okay. And we started producing a lot of records for ourselves and started getting out performing. And I noticed that we had it, man. I noticed that a lot of people started really tripping on us. Like, hey man, y'all really sound really, really good. It's so good. It was this dude. He and I was we 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 didn't like each other. He was my nemesis, right? He had got that song. Uh, if your body say yes, and he you he, he said he, he he said Rico, man, I know me and you ain't. We don't see eye to eye. We say I love the hell out your song, man. That dang song is the bar. He's like, man, like I can't stop playing it. I was like, I know you must really like it because I know me and you we we at odds all the time, you know. Everybody, you know, it was over some girl type stuff, but that's here nor there. But we cool now, you know, we young. So, um, so yeah, man. So then we started bubbling. We started doing, uh, selling records out of the trunk like everybody else. We were selling hundreds and hundreds of tapes. And just by that chance, man, I met Pete. And man, when I tell you, finds it, me and Pete cha totally changed my life, man. Like, so by the time we, um, uh, by the time we put out, I got the hookup. Uh, he had, we had all bought houses in Beverly Hills. We had all got brand new Mercedes. We had buku money in the bank, man. And we had just, hey, life was just, every day was a Saturday, you know? And like, let me tell you, like, so, like when I finally moved to LA, right? And I got my house and everything. It was a 7-Eleven on the, on the corner where I lived in the, in the, uh, in the valley, right? And, uh, and rest in peace, man. I just saw that he passed away. I used to see Eddie Van Halen all the time there. And um, yeah, he was really nice, man. One, one, a couple, he lived up the hill from us, right? And he would uh, invite us over. Well, he invited me over to, because I told him I play guitar, and I heard him, he played beat it for me. And I was like, oh, dang, man. So I, by this time, I still never met Michael Jackson, right? But I did meet his mother. Okay. And I met her at this... Uh, at this uh there's this restaurant in the valley uh, uh it's called stevie's stevie soul food and i told her you know i was a, such a pleasure meeting her and the way she raised her kids uh it allowed me to patent myself after them and i wasn't into drugs i was thoroughly focusing on being successful and she said baby that's got to be one of the best accolades i have ever heard you know so that made me happy you know i met the king's mom you know and, and i think I met, I met janet jackson it's a year but i still i it wasn't like you know i couldn't meet mike and then i had a bunch of buddies man i wanted to meet prince too because i i love prince about as much as i love mike right so you know of course Raphael sadiq he played with prince you know or sheila e um, I had another buddy, my mentor, Miko Weaver. He played guitar for Prince on tour with him and stuff. And uh, 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 Levi Caesar, who grew up in Richmond with me, he, uh, he, he played with Prince. But I just never got a chance to meet none of my, my heroes, you know. But it's cool. <laughs> well, um, you definitely done made, left your own mind now. And um, 
And as you said, meeting Mike's mom, that must have been a blessing, and especially getting to oh, that message to her and stuff like that. So um, that was yes, itself. You know, we now we're getting back to some of the tank stuff. Then um, fast forward now, we didn't drop. You know, you got I got the hookup out not too long after um pushing inside yeah. and stuff coming. Um, at what point do you think to yourself, or do you, do you look at it and say, you know, okay, you know, this is it. Like um, we got oh yeah, we really got some steam right now, and um. You was also involved with producing other artists on the tank and that as well. Was you oh, yeah, those everybody. Stuff. Um, so you can give yeah. a bit of um, insight on that. Yeah, man, it was so wonderful. Um, like to answer your first question, when, um, well, I guess when I got the $100,000, the first, <laughs> that's, I, that's it. Oh, I, was, I was like, man, I don't, looking at this and knowing him, I don't have to worry about nothing no more, right? And then it just got better and better and better. Like, like, like Boz, you know, Boz, Anthony Boswell, right? I remember uh, we was getting our um, our suits for the our album cover, right? Remember the yellow suits we had on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Versace suits and stuff. I was like, man. I don't know if I can get used to these. Like, man, you got to get used to this. And you ain't got to take it back like Puffy make everybody take shit back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't read it. Don't read it. Yeah. So we was uh, we was just doing our thing, man. And then um, so P knew that we produced. So he was like, man, what y'all got for uh, like some radio stuff for, for the artists, whatever. So uh we was down here and Fiend was about to put out his album. And I was listening to his album. I was going, Fiend, I I'm loving your album. However, you need a radio hit. And he said, man, Rick, you got something for me? I was like, give me a minute. I think within three minutes, I came up with uh, Feel My Pain. Okay. And so I started playing it and I came up with the hook. So um, he came up with the keyboard part. And uh, hold on, my phone going off. And, uh, so he came up with the keyboard part. Man, we uh, started started recording the song, and it became a, his number one hit. Yeah, well, then you put the you you know just being in the mix. It it sort of remind me of um because sometimes I think how come you guys didn't have more production credit with like as part of Beats by the Pound, but at the same time you was your own sort of outfit, but yeah. still went in that assistance. I know there yeah. must have been some great, you know, sessions because you was around at a time where, you know, the tank was stacked. Um, Yo, man, we was killing it. That you, yeah. you, know, you, you and P always did great work and stuff with the colonel. Um, is there any other artists you just mentioned, Fiend? Who was just, you know, who was like... Man, we produced everybody. I produced Kane and Abel. I produced Silk. I produced C Murder. Um, let me tell y'all about C Murder. Yeah. People think... P and C is really the same person. P just C just got a little more edge on it at the time than P, but they were verse, both very meticulous. I mean, I like people don't know this uh, about C Murder. He would if he recorded with you, he'd get your name, he'd get how much he want you wanted to get paid for the song. He would make sure that your check was ready at the end of the night. Oh, he was meticulous, man. He was he was like this. And he was, and what I loved about P, Silk, and C, they were always on time. Matter of fact, they was there earlier than the time they were supposed to be there, right? They never were late to anything they did. They didn't have the, the Hollywood mentality. They, they truly appreciated what God had blessed them with, you know? And um, um, <clears throat> they, were, they were just meticulous. 
and what they did and so that bled over on the other artists on the tank we knew because P was on top, and that was just me anyway. I was always on top, but I noticed everybody else padding themselves after how he was. We were always on time. We didn't try to start any trouble with anybody. If y'all ever see P in concert, he always said, look, I don't want no fighting. I want y'all to go home, have a good night. We had a good time here with y'all. And I, I thought highly of the brother, so much so, man. I remember one time we was in um Atlanta, right? And we was at the uh, the Galleria, I think I think that's the whatever the name of that big mall is in uh, Atlanta. We was there, and so he pulled me to the side. He said, "Reed, you see that dude selling the tanks, right? They're like some fake no limit tanks." He said, "He said Tupac would be mad about that. He would go over there and want to fight that guy." He said, "But not me." He said, "Man, he said that dude is perpetuating the tank. He's letting everybody know we here." He said, it's a compliment to me that the dude would even go so far to make a fake tank and sell it. Plus, he got to feed his kids, too. I'm not going to stop him from doing that. And I was like, dang, P, you're right. I mean, this dude was so far advanced, man. Wow. Even back then. Yeah. Back then, man, everything I learned from them, we call, used to call it No Limit University, right? Everything I learned then, I apply now. And you see, Spons, you see all these people. I got Justin Timberlake shot, shot me out. Yeah. I got, uh, you know. I just uh, saw um, Sinbad, you know. Yeah, man. Led, you know, yeah, yeah. Yes, man. But all that is because the two companies I was with, No Limit and Motown, they showed me how to conduct myself to, you know, to be, I was always a good person, but to really put the polish on it, you know. And P just showed me, this is how you conduct yourself in business, man. And you don't get mad at people for this. You just kind of, a lot of stuff P would let, let slide. A lot of people did a lot of stuff under the, uh, behind the scenes to him that you would never even know about. But he, he just, you would never know. He just let it slide because he knew his trajectory, where he was going. And he, oh man, it was just phenomenal, man, what, what he did and how he was doing it. And again, finds everything that we learned we're applying it to this day. Exactly. It's still working. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'll be honest, even with myself, because you know, a huge um inspirational influence to any stuff I've done has come from seeing what P and No Limit in the tank did. I always looked at No Limit same way as the university, like you guys used to say and be like, shit, I wanna i I'd love to study under that sort of learning tree. And even from the informal learning that I got still yeah. enabled me to have the mindset where I've been able to, you know, sort of had that entrepreneurial vision to go out and put different things together and a lot of that's come from you know seeing p do it seeing the tank do it and um when i see guys like yourself even at like this stage in the game it's always um a blessing because you know when we talk about no limit you know we just saw the no limit chronicles even come out and yeah. we saw everybody kind of knows somewhat of the story the rise before the um the good the bad yeah hey lender that you know i've spoken to a few different people and um you know there's no doubt that no limit was paying out money which at a time where most other labels weren't you know really paying their artists money and stuff like that they were putting yeah. in positions um at the same time when things sort of went sour people went different ways or some people lost their money some people didn't um do certain things and, you know i'm not taking anyone aside or anything but like i said when i see someone like you it's like you've as you've explained you've taken the um the lessons and done something yeah. with it. I, and I know people been kicking them for years. I remember buying like the Source magazines and stuff back in the day and 
they used to have interviewed the artists, even me and X and stuff, and they would speak about how P teaches them business and tells them to invest oh, in yeah, money man. and stuff like that and, and yeah. things of that nature. So it's like seeing somebody like yourself that's did it. Let me expound on some of that too, man. So okay. uh, I was lucky enough to have a mother. Well, my father was very astute as well. He, you know, college graduate or whatever. And, uh, but my mom was very business and she gave me a uh, high, uh, you know, uh, financial IQ. Um, okay, once I bought that house, right, in Los Angeles, uh, and get this, P never had his name on anybody's home or cars or any of that. Whatever was yours was yours. Now, what he would tell you is, look, y'all put y'all pants on the same way I do. I still got a company to run, so this is yours. If you got to go get you a little job to keep up with your little taxes and pay your gas, whatever, go do that. It's okay. You know, just do what you got to do till we get to this next level, you know? And a lot of people had a lot of, um, I would call false pride or whatever. They didn't feel like they needed to do certain things, but I understood, right? So, um, and a lot of guys, man, to this day, and I hate to say it, but since you want to talk about the good and the bad, I'm going to just be real with you. A lot of them uh, didn't adhere to the fact that P put us 30 years ahead of life. We were young guys. We were like, I think I was might have just, just turned 30 or whatever, whatever at the time. So I was very young. But if you think about it, me owning that home in Los Angeles beat out 30 years of life. Whereas I didn't have to pay a mortgage for 30 years. So I was that far ahead advanced in life, but some of them didn't see it, but I did. And what happened was, Fonz, the market started to grow, 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 grow in California, right? So I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cash out on this house and I'm going to move back. I'm going to go down south to Louisiana, Baton Rouge, and I built this beautiful house and I bought a bunch of property, like six, seven, eight pieces of property. And uh, I sit back, man, and that's what allowed me to uh, still do the music comfortably the way I do. Of course, I got some ups and downs, you know, folks don't want to pay rent or whatever, but hey, that, that comes with the territory. Exactly. But I knew what to do and what not to do. My mom was like, oh, no, boy, you ain't finna blow your money on a bunch of cars. You're going to go buy, do this. You're going to do this, build this house, do this. So I did it. And to this day, I'm living a really great life. Be Inadvertently because of Master P, man. Some people that is on the tank can't say that because for whatever reason, they own their homes, like some beautiful homes, $250,000, $300,000, which right now they would probably be about close to a million bucks. You know what I mean? Um, they took loans out on their homes and didn't pay them and they lost them. And the people who gave them the loan were salivating because they knew their homes was three times worth four times the amount of money they had loaned on. And so, you know, so now some of them are kind of like, what do I do? But I knew, but but here's the deal. Pete told them back then, don't take loans out in y'all houses because these people are gonna take it. I know y'all, y'all done got spoiled. I done spoiled all y'all and none of y'all wanna go back to work to pay these loans off and they gonna take them and you guys gotta start all the way back over. I knew never to take a loan on any of my homes, you know what I mean? Unless I was going to do some more property investment. And so a lot of them, that's what happened to them, you know? And so they just got to deal with how life throws at them. And, you know, it's hard out here, man, you know? But again, P put us 30 years ahead of life, man. 
and people couldn't even, they was like, wow, how did y'all, and I was like, man, thank God to Pete, you know, God first, but God allowed Pete to bless us, bless us all, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's what you say is definitely right, because even when we talk about, you know, even just talking to yourself, you know, I, I know you're somebody with a high IQ, um, and you said you had a financial IQ on top of that, so, you know, you're quite right. in your own right. When we look at some of our people, it's, it's not, not not necessarily the bad thing to say, but um, we have been put and left behind in a lot of ways anyway. So sometimes yeah. I think a lot of our people don't realize how behind we actually yeah. are. So even we when are. in a situation like that where you've had somebody like the Colonel who's really advanced and tried to help move people forward, but he's speaking right. about it sometimes where it became like a detriment even to him because you put people in positions and then when you're, able, when you're not able to do something for them no more, when things change, they got dependency, yeah. you know. All of that stuff. Now, yeah, you know, I saw this. I saw seeing people turn on him. Yeah, I was like, "How are y'all turning on this man? The man hooked us up. Nobody was giving us no record deal." Like I, I'm telling you now, Fonz. I knew Invo. I knew Tommy and Denny who produced Invo and the Tonys. I knew all these people personally, but it took a dude from the bowels of the Calio, the Calio projects. And I don't know if you ever been to Louisiana and seen these projects out here. Yeah, Ain't nothing yeah. nice, man. I mean, it's horrible. It's yeah. horrible. I couldn't, I I couldn't imagine what it was like, especially in those times. Oh, stuff. my God, God, bro. Shout like, out to um, Mutual Ground. Yeah, shout out to the um, Mutual Ground quickly. There's a there's a channel on YouTube. They got quite a few different documentaries yeah. and uh, yeah. telling some of the stories and stuff so people can check those out. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, things sort of started falling apart at a point in 99. At what point did you feel as though, because um, you say you guys sort of retired in 99 and then, you know, you made a comeback years later and stuff, but what made, yeah. what was it that led to, I guess, not to say you walking away, because everybody kind of went their own ways in different ways. So yeah, this is, this is what I kind of start seeing when, it, uh, I don't know, P is a human being too, right? And yeah. He's a man. Yeah, he had whatever, you know. I when he started doing the wrestling thing, I was like, hey man, you master P, you don't wrestle. You know what I mean? Don't go in there with Hulk Hogan and all the rest of those idiots. No, you, you crazy man. You should you should you should have let him yeah. stay. You, sorry to cut you, you should have let him stay because I'm a big wrestling fan by the that was huge at the time. <laughs> that was that was huge at the time well, seeing like P and wrestling. I didn't want to see him in the ring, but seeing him in, in there uh, he actually right. got paid. He got paid a lot of money as well. Gave for those. Yeah, shows. I'm sure he did. I'm sure P. I know. He, but this is this is really the, the downfall. Let me well, share. Go something ahead, bro. You. Sorry. No, no worries. Listen, I'm gonna show you. This is really what happened. Um, when I bought my home in L.A., right? We, you know, we lived in a very affluent neighborhood. I was in Hollywood, Sherman. I mean, Beverly Hills, Sherman Oaks, right? Right on the cusp of both. And. I, but I would go to the, the uh, Slauson Swap Meet and on, on Slauson just and hear all the hot new music coming out and just staying grounded with my people. You know what I mean? I don't want to get too out there where I, I'm, I'm losing contact or, or really what's hot or what, what's going on, right? And uh, all of a sudden, I heard this song. It said, you keep your body clean, huh? You know the scene, huh? You know the scene, huh? It was juvenile, huh? Bro? I was like, holy. And I could hear the, 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 the tone in his voice. He was from New Orleans, right? I was like, oh, snap. So I called my homeboy who lived in Baton Rouge. I said, who is this? He said, man, that's juvenile. And that's cash money. I had just read about him in this, in this uh, magazine called Murder Dog. It was pretty hot, too. 
Okay, man, I just read about them. And I had just heard about Manny Fresh or whatever. I was like, okay. So these cats, yeah. So I jumped up. So Slauson is right by the LAX, right? So I drove my car to LAX, man. I hopped on a plane. No, oh, well, let me take it, take you back. So I said, man, who are these cats? He said, man, that's that's baby, that's that's uh Manny Fresh, that's juvenile, that's that's cash money. He said, man. So I was like, all right. So I hops on the plane. I get to Baton Rouge. I go to the uh, to the office and I tell P, excuse me. I said, P, we gotta sign cash money because if we don't, they gon' they gonna take over, man. Because I'm listening to that. It was like a it was like a new hybrid of No Limit, right? But it was funky and it was the drums was on some. I was like, oh my god, who is this Manny Fresh? He was like, no, nah, we you tripping? They ain't nobody. They ain't go. I was like. Were you is you serious? <laughs> go to California and go to Slauson Swap Me, and you're gonna find out who Cash Money is. So they him and Bob started laughing at me, whatever. I was like, all right. Six months later, girl, you look good when you back that thing up. <laughs> monster, monster. <laughs> they took off and we went down. And that was a wrap. <laughs> oh, and this this is when it this is when it really hit on. So I was at a, uh, a Nas concert in Orange County, right? You know, because I, I kind of like New York sound a little bit. You know, it was, it was dope. And, I, and Jay, I had got a chance to meet Jay-Z. He was there. That, and um, and I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. I love Jay-Z. And uh, so I walks in. I had my tank on. And some dude out of somewhere, I don't know where he was, but he said, fuck no limit. It's all about cash money. <laughs> I was like, oh, and that was that was on the East Coast. <laughs> it was a wrap, yeah. you know. So oh well. I mean, no, okay. So speak up. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say even my my early introduction to Cash Money was like they marketing they had that damn pat where when we used to see them in the magazines and stuff out here. At first, we initially thought they had something to do with No Limit because just the just the look as well. Right. And then um, I think one of the first records. Uh, you know, I heard a bit of how we used to get like young to do raps and stuff like that. And, you know, and then, you know, as you said, Juve is crazy because I was talking to someone about Juve earlier and I was saying like, I didn't really bump all the rest of the hot boys in that at that time, like um, as much as like maybe because he was a bit older and I didn't realize them, but he had just that that extra dimension to him where yeah. he, he sort of carried it forward after Wayne, you know, got a bit older and a bit seasoned. Obviously, you know, he took the, right. he the ball out of the park, but um. You know, same. I remember hearing Juve that he was on um, the Rough Riders album with, um, yeah, yeah. You know, he was with um, Dragon and all that. He he was, you know, doing all these dope features and stuff. And um, it was dope. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because even watching the Chronicles and they say Pete had the opportunity to um, either sign or distribute. Because my introduction to them, that's what I thought was uh, the way that they appeared. In their appearance and everything, I already thought they had something to do with No Limit. Even no, <laughs> let me take you back, Fonz. Honestly, I, I left a part of that story out. Really, my boy had called Baby and said, yo, he said, man, tell Pete I'll sign the whole company with him for a million bucks. Pete had more, I mean, he could have just threw a million dollars at him. And, like, and that's what made me come to Louisiana from L.A., and say, P, man, look, these dudes, man, they hot. Well, come in. 
all they want is a million. You know, he was like, man, we ain't fooling with them. See, I didn't know that he had already met with them at that restaurant or whatever. And, you know, he was like, nah, I don't. But, you know, I guess he recognized Baby as being, you know, just as strong will and just as, you know, and it's nothing wrong with they Two alpha males, super alpha males, right? That's just really what you had. Yep. And he recognized that. And uh, for whatever reason, he just said, no, nah, go ahead, y'all do your own thing, you know? And, it, and he was a man, he was admitted that, you know, if uh, if the people over there priority signed him, he was going to leave, you know, and it, it was so many people beckoning for us that it didn't make a difference, you know, at that time. But of course, uh, cash money came, man, and just, and they, to this day, they still are, are, are reinventing, you know, with, with, with Wayne and you got Drake, you got Nicki Minaj, you know, mainly Drake, you know, I love everything about Drake. And so it just, it just transformed, you know, and it, it, it is cash money still. I think that's what No Limit missed out on really being able to um, reinvent the wheel in the right way, just yeah. maybe down to a lot of the legal stuff and things that happened after with the company and all that. But, you know, even with the stuff that you're doing now to move it forward, it's like you've been able to um, reinvent the wheel with Sons of yeah. Man. I mean, 99, you guys sort of took your breakout, but then you came back again. And yeah. uh, what, what year did you come back? Um, was it 2014 you dropped the yeah, files? Back. Yeah, we had, we had the files, the lost files, the Sons of Funk, and we were trying to do it, and you know, and um, it, it was cool, but they, uh, you know, I, I must be honest with you, my, my dad's in the group, he just, I don't know if he really felt it anymore or whatever, you know, but I had the power and the, and the zeal and the power and, and just the bright light just to keep going because there's some accolades that I still want to achieve, which is, um, you know, I want to get American Music Award. I want the Grammy. You know, I want my, want my name on the Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame in Los Angeles. There's a few things that I, I must achieve, you know, before I check up out of here. And um, and I still, to this day, that fire burns bright in me, man, that I, what, what I'm trying to achieve. And so they backed away. And now uh, the, one of the original members, which is Zoe, he's still in the group with me. And my son, RJ, who's doing a phenomenal job. He's like, to me, he's really like uh, Chris Brown, minus the dancing. You know, he's, his vocal uh, ability is just, and he's so creative when he writes. So this is what we got, Fonz. We got this beautiful marriage, right? I knew from the Prince, Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind & Fire, Isley Brothers, how to write really great hooks. Right. And I have a really strong ear for like music. I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people to cross over. And so what I do is I write the hooks and then he and I write the verses, but he brings that young swag to it. The new cadence, which is now again, a hybrid of whatever is going on now. So we're in our lane by our own self and there's no R and B group out there like what we got. Yeah. So if you can imagine you got like, Chris Brown and Drake and, and and Earth, Wind & Fire together. And that, that would be the new Sons of Funk. Yeah, I mean, we've checked out some of the new singles, you know, the um, Entanglement, this, yeah. this um, Stupid as well. It's another one. Stupid. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of great visual stuff as well. I mean, you guys got some dope visuals and stuff too as well, which is really Thank important um, in this time. And even with your marketing and stuff, um, you know, I've seen like loads of shout outs from, you know, various yeah. celebrities, DJs, yeah, DJ MV, yeah. um, the Breakfast yeah. Club and, and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of support there.
So we do it, man. Like, yeah, like we have all the support from all these wonderful, uh, illustrious people that's really, really strong in the game. And they push it for us. They're playing our music. We're getting back out there. Um, we just got a call yesterday, man, where uh, uh, Rap Caviar put us on, on their playlist, their curated cur a playlist uh, from Spotify. And if anybody knows about uh, Spotify and uh, Rap Caviar, they know that it's extremely hard to get on there. They actually turn down majors, you know, to get on their, on their uh, curated playlist. And so we were lucky enough to get on there and um, we're just now getting about, about to get into Google. So like if you turn your phone on, you'll see this whole article about us. That's about to be out very soon. So yeah, we we we, we smoking, man. And I'm trying to bring some of that no limit heat. You know, they, I'm going to be right in their face like Pete taught us. You got to be in their face all day, every day, you know. Well, you know, we definitely um, carrying the, um, the legacy forward and still extending on it, as you said, with your son as well. So um, with that yeah. being said, you know, even just looking back slightly then before at the No Limit Legacy, what what was what's your maybe personal favorite? What was one of your personal favorite moments or even times? Like, was it being in the studio working on music? Was it working on the movies? I of course see you in um you know No Tomorrow and some movies like that in the studio and doing this. Oh yeah. What, you know, which, which, which parts did you read was like you know where you was really in your element? I'm guessing in the studio mainly, but you know. Yeah. I love that part, man. Um, I, you know, because I was always around because I wanted to be in everything, right? They weren't going to leave me out. I'm going to try to be in every movie or whatever. So P said, Rick, I got this wonderful uh, part for you in No Tomorrow because you acted so crazy. And, uh, and I got the hookup. Remember, do you remember I was playing with the stripper with the money? You remember that? And I got oh, to go snap, back and watch it. I got the hookup. Snap, that's, that's you. That's me. <laughs> I remember that scene. You're like, you. <laughs> they were laughing. As a matter of fact, the, the uh, director said, "Hey man, he needs to be all through this movie. He's funny in it all, y'all. He's really good because I made that whole part up by myself. I didn't. Nobody told me to do it, and the director was rolling right. So he just they just kept it in there. So he he said, "Man, you did so good in that. Just come do this part uh, uh, as the uh, studio engineer and no tomorrow. And then from that." I was able to be in uh, Ray uh, with Jamie Foxx um, and a few other uh, really, really notable movies and stuff, you know. And um, so, yeah, man, that, that's what we're going to do. And we're, we're going to do the same thing like Pete. We're going to do movies. We, we got uh, some other uh, acts that we're going to put out. You know, there's and our record company now is called Monument One. And um, it's going to be really good, man. And really, it's going to be a big situation that we got going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember the Sons of Funk records you had and stuff as well. So it's good to know that you're gonna be working with um different artists and stuff as well, and yeah. uh, taking um you know even the the experiences that you've had being under the learning trees of you know Motown and, and No Limit, some of the yeah. labels, let alone um black labels and stuff as well. So, um, what can we expect then, music-wise? I guess in the future, I know we, you've got the stuff that's out now. Um, is there anything you want to plug or let us know that to look out for? Yeah, so we're looking out for Stupid, uh, The Entanglement. Um, matter of fact, man, believe it or not, we just, we're doing a new song now. We're going to kind of re-hook up, pushing aside you. We're doing it. Remember the 69 Boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 69 Boys, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we're we're going to do that with them. 
uh, we're producing, believe it or not, you remember Lakeside? Uh, come along and ride on the fantastic okay. voyage. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're producing them. We're going to bring them back. We got like a few other, you know, strong, uh, older acts that we're, we're working with. And then like these a few youngsters that, you know, uh, we got um, uh, uh, a Forever Hood. We got Sean Baby. Um, uh, and uh, we got a few few people that we got going, you know, that's going to be out. And then, of course, Sons of Funk, man, you know, we're going we gonna to slam them. We got some hot stuff. And then our second single, uh, it might be Loyal or Water Gun. And we're going to go to Miami. We'll have the boats and the jet skis. And, the, you know, it's going to be real hot. Just like old, old school No Limit days, you know. So it's, it's our time. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, people, if, they, if you type in Sons of Funk on Google and everything, definitely going to pop up. Do you have any other, like, separate social medias or anything you want to plug around? Yeah, uh, Rico, it is Rico Sons of Funk or RJ Sons of Funk. And you can find me just Rico Sons of Funk. Rico. <laughs> that shit, that, that man. is that the, that the new merch um, that you come yeah, in with? Yeah, more merch. <laughs> so um, then we got the hats, we got the, the, the mask, we got dominoes. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I've learned from Master P now. We yeah. got it all. <laughs> we got it all. Yes, you know, next is, is in the food business, man. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm proud of P to see what he's doing, especially with the food stuff and that as well. That's yeah, really yeah, he got the cereal and all kind of stuff. <laughs> it's, a, it's an important move, and um, even with yourself, of what you've done and what you've accomplished, and continuing to accomplish, you know, um, you're laying a foundation that's able to support others coming up after you yeah, and yeah. You know, um, you're putting out a positive message and inspiring yeah. other people that you know because we all need inspiration in this world man and that's how you know each one teach one if you was there inspired you by the mics and, and the princes and, and you know and i yeah. know there's plenty of others you you know, went, can, can i, I mean who's one of your favorite vocalists what you think of my boy Smokey robinson man that's one of my one of my oh favorite. my god Smokey was you know what let me let me share something with you if, did you, if you really listen to Sm old Smokey Robinson, he sounded like Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, I didn't, I really tripped one day. I really listened to him. I was like, no wonder why Barry Gordy liked uh, Michael so much. He sounded like Smokey. Michael you know, Smokey so special. Because Michael yeah, so special, because even from a young age and stuff, he could sound like these, the magnificent elder, you yes. know, guys, and, and even encomp encompass the same sort of, um, Emotion feeling. and feeling yeah, emotion. all of that, which yes. you know, that was super, super rare. But yeah, Smokey, he, um, yeah, he was. See, let me tell you something. That's that's another thing I learned from Motown, man. They taught me how to. I was always doing it, didn't know I was doing it, but they really taught me how to hone in on, like, say, all this interview you were talking about, right? I would hone in on certain words that really sparked. Or it felt like it would like uh, attract a millions of people, and I remember the, how your phrasing was, whatever, and I would write it down, and that's how you write hooks. And they said that's the key to writing hooks. It's just like basic talking, but remember the buzzwords, like words that really stuck out to you, and those are the hooks that can make millions of people buy the records. And then I always adopted that, you know. And another trick that uh, I learned from P, uh, P is dope, man. Like people don't really know he's dope, like. Like, so he'll write, like, he'll write his verses, right? And then his second verse usually is better than his first verse. 
So he'll throw the first verse away and pop the second one on first, and then he'll write another one. It's even better than that. But by that time, that's <laughs> a great record. You know what I'm saying? And that's I'll learn that trick from him. You know, uh, he's good. That, that's a dope. That's a dope tip, man. Because um, yeah. you know, even myself, I was playing the record to somebody the other day, and it was like, "Oh, your second verse is better." And I said, "It's always supposed to be that way." However, yeah, I that, never would have ever thought to be anything as genius as that. Like, take that verse. And oh yeah, it. man. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, and watch this. And if you really listen to his music, he kind of says a lot of things uh, similar, a lot. To, but he's breaking his brand. He's breaking his way of rapping. It, like he might say, uh, "I grew up on eggs and rice," or he might say, uh, "Is he had a couple little sayings?" He would always throw in his record, yep. so you'll know it was him. He was always breaking. He was always. Uh, promoting himself, <laughs> you know, he, oh, he was dope, man. Yeah, yeah. He was cool. I mean, he's he's still, he's still dope to me. I give him a lot of, um, you know, yeah. I don't get into any of the, the other foolishness, but um, for what he's accomplished, yeah. what he continues to do, as we know, there ain't no man on this earth that be like, um, perfect. The one thing I love, no. he, he no. always says he ain't God, and he always says he ain't perfect. So, what more can a man say besides that? <laughs> and you know what, Fonz, let me share something with you when. And I know people might trip out for when I say this, but if you show a picture of Malcolm, I mean, not Malcolm X, but Martin Luther King, they need to show a picture of Master P. Let me tell you why. I seen him by 40 black men and women homes that they own by themselves. They own. He didn't have put his name on it like this in the record company's name. No, no, no. You are, you deserve this because you've been working so hard. This is yours. Now just keep it up. So what can you say when a, that a, when a man does that for you? You know what I mean? And a lot of these people, we both know friends, a lot of them that was on the tank would have not would have never got a major record deal. Some of them were subpar. Some of them were okay. Some of them were super great. You have Mystical, you know, you have Fiend, you have Mia X. These are people, you know, uh, Soldier Slam, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, my guy that's in jail. What's his name? Uh, uh, who you talk to see? Oh, Mac, yo, you talk Mac, to Mac. Mac, Mac, Mac. oh, Mac, Mac, Mac was Adon, Mac, camouflage the South, Mac of the South. Yeah, Mac was dope, dope. You hear me? Was, me? Mac was like, Mac was, Mac could have been like, you know, even at the time, I'm he was one of my, not, you know, he could have easily been one of my favorite rappers in the game. Oh, he easy. Had, like, not just in no limit in like, just right. the like, yeah, like just dope, dope, like, about. Really dope. Yeah, 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 like truly, man. Like, if you really sat down, and again, he was so humble, he's such a nice dude, all that stuff. I, he, I'm, I, I would be very hard pressed to believe that what they said he did, he did, because he was not like that. But he was such a brainy little dude, man. To me, he really was the Tupac of the South. He was truly the best rapper on No Limit. He, that boy was, and P and Silk and C will tell you, oh no, he, he better than us by far, you know. Well, this is one thing I would just ask you that as, as you said that, because we often hear, and this ain't about no um, drama nothing, but oftentimes we hear people make the comparison and say like Soldier Slim was in Tupac of the South, and I get why they say that, but mm -hmm. being somebody that even know Pac from a different level as well, and um, like you just said, Mac, because I would have probably said Mac. someone like Mac would have been like that, you know, like a Nas, like a Pac, like yes. they have a certain type of, yes. you know, 
I'm not saying Slim, Slim was like, Slim had the fuck aspect down pat and he had the, yeah. some of the consciousness too, but I don't think his overall is probably like a Mac or even... Um, no, man. Mac, Mac literally could have went to New York and hung with Nas. He could have, I mean, Jay-Z. I mean, Biggie, like he, his lyrical assault was, dude, was that dope, man. Like Mac was something else, man. It just breaks my heart to this day that he didn't really get a, get a shot the way he really should have, you know? Um, and I know it's back to the diaspora to where we live, you know, in the South. And our, we were so enormous that anybody black that was with, with no limit, that they could have put some handcuffs on, they did. They didn't care who, and they but they really wanted P. But P was a businessman. He wasn't a thug. He wasn't, it wasn't all this. You know, he you wouldn't go see P at no party. You're not gonna see P at no bar. You're not gonna see P doing nothing nefarious. You're not gonna, it ain't gonna happen, man. P was about his business and he was straightforward and he handled his business as a businessman should, and that was it, you know, and a few of us got tangled up in some mess and, you know, you know, like see, you know, whatever. On that last note, even we talk about being tangled up, we, you know, we still see um, a campaign for free Mac and free C Mac. Yeah. Um, you just sort of touched on it, explaining that the judicial system in New Orleans can be any Baton Rouge, or just, you know, Louisiana, and a lot of places in the South overall can be quite, um... Harsh. Quite harsh, on, as, as we see. So on like, us. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, it, and, it, and I'm, I'm gonna leave you with this. This is why I love P, because he gave us all the shot not to live in that lifestyle anymore. That wasn't for any of us. We all lived in these palatial homes. We had very beautiful cars. We had money. Um, if it wasn't your time, just go get you a little job or whatever. You know, don't don't be thinking you're so high up that you can't, you know, uh, take care of your little, you know, twos and fuse or whatever. And but that's what P did for us, man. You know, all of us. And um, you know, some of us just fell by the wayside, you know. And then along with the the racism. To which is uh, is brought upon our, our our culture and our and our race or whatever you know we it, it fell fell off but oh well you know I'm still here yeah, yeah. <laughs> we appreciate that and then just just in closing um the last no I'm asking while we talk about just the race and stuff and something that's been going on this year BLM um the um the the elections we just seen the debate yesterday who who you got I know you got um quite a political head yourself um are you um... yeah you know what you know what finds I look at like I'm neither right wing nor am I left yeah yeah because that's the same damn bird. Yep. You feel me? I am and I have nothing against white people or anything, but I am a black man and I am for my black people and I am going to create more jobs and I'm going to create ways for our people to make money and we're going to create our own political system. We're going to buy our own land and we're going to do the right things for each other. That's who I am and that's who I'm voting for. I'm voting for Rico to help my people. I, I, could, I could respect that, you know, uh, yes, but, and, and, and that's that's a solid mindset and, you know, part of, I guess even the no limit mindset stuff too. You yeah. know what I mean about disregarding other people but we definitely about empowering and helping our own people and stuff like just like everybody else does too. everybody else you know? does it chinese people do it 
Jewish people do it, whatever. We all, you know, even though I believe Jew, Jew, Jewish people came from Ethiopia, me, I, I, I go, I can go way back and talk about yeah. all kind of stuff. But I mean, that, right that, here, maybe right? A, yeah, maybe a different conversation. On that yeah. last, on that last note, though, before we go, <laughs> throw some wild because I, I don't know if you ever heard it. I heard this track and it was a, a big Ed track one time, and it was um. It's, a, it's an unreleased track. I think no, it was on a Players and Bowling soundtrack or something. Not a No Limit release, but he rapping about um, not necessarily Armageddon and stuff, but he just dropping so much conscious sort of bars yeah. like that and stuff. Like, yeah. And I was like, Big Ed must have been what deep. Like, I know he must have been... Um, he, he didn't come off like an NOI, but he had like, I was like, he, he was... Yeah, yeah. Like, he, had, no, he, had, he got that. He got it, he got it in him. Yeah, he has a lot of... Uh, Islamic uh, beliefs and faith, and it, it, that's how he patented his life. So he was straight laced too, man. You know, very straight laced guy. Yeah, no, we always just really some nice. Guys, yeah, man, you know? it, it sounds like it. I mean, you know, rest in peace. Um, God bless the dead, and you know, all the soldiers man. that were here before and helped lay the foundation. And um, you know, it's, once again, man, it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be chopping up with you guys and working with y'all because. You know, y'all are part of history, not just yeah. yeah, you know, out there in the states, but worldwide for the culture and for our people and stuff. So, um, we'll continue forward, and I'm looking forward to hearing like the new material and stuff like that, and staying plugged in. But we'll be blasting stuff off on the radio and things of that nature. So you already know. right on, man. Thank you. I'm looking forward to working with you real tight, Fonz. Yeah. Really. You already All right. Know. All right, then, my bro. Um, I'm gonna wind this down now. So